For those who don't know, Zach and I are good friends and we've been good friends for a while, but Zach started his business a year and a half ago now. Coming up to two years now, yeah. As an online coach and has been massively successful. And I know a lot of people watching the podcast would like to become online coaches or tailor their business to what you're doing and the way you go about things. And you've been a massive success. So first off, I just want to ask, why did you become an online coach? Yeah, good question. Um, firstly, thank you for the kind intro, mate. Uh, <laughs> my, my head's inflating. Um, <laughs> I'll give you the honest answer around, around online coaching. So where I first fell into it, I was doing a little bit of personal training in just like a local um, studio in the town next sort of near uni. Um, I did that purely because it was an incredible hourly rate. Like that, that was kind of how I fell into it. I quite liked the gym. Like I was pretty sporty and it just seemed a natural uh, job to do. It worked well. The problem was then that I broke my wrist. Remember when I did that? And yeah. it was just, a, it was a whole so nightmare. Cool. It was like years on it. But um, I then obviously couldn't work in the gym for a month and I was kind of like, well, I've got no money coming in now. Um, and I then came across some people online, you know, we'll talk about Adam later, I'm sure, um, who kind of helped me transition online. And again, I'll be fully honest, and a lot of coaches out there won't admit it, it was money driven initially, because it could be very lucrative if you know what you're doing, there's a lot of money in the in the trade. But I'd say, as soon as I really got into online coaching, like, and started kind of delving into a bit more of the coaching science and got a bit more practice at my trade, that's when I really did start to fall in love with the art of coaching, and I think that has just kind of grown ever since. So, yeah, it definitely, uh, it definitely was money driven initially, but um, we've discovered a bit of a passion along the way, which is cool. Yeah, you talked about PTing before, and this is something obviously we've discussed off camera. You know, just going out for dinner and drinks and stuff. But you weren't that big of a fan of PTing. You lo- you liked working, but you were you were more wanting to get online quickly when you found yeah. out about it. What would you say were the negatives of PTing and the positives of PTing? Yeah, um, PTing is great in the initial instance because it's very social. Like you know, you get to meet some cool people. The problems that come with PT is that, especially as a young person getting into the industry, you get walked over a lot, and you know you kind of end up bending over backwards for everyone else, and it's not actually massively fulfilling when you're quite frankly turning up to take a load of money off somebody just to stand next to them and count their reps you know and stuff like that it's not actually massively fulfilling and the thing for me was that I remember when I had that month off of the gym and started my online stuff I obviously had been PTing prior I had a couple of clients working in the gym I left for a month and came back and resumed the PT sessions and all of the clients had progressed more in that month where I hadn't been there compared Mm. to I felt like the two three months I'd had them and I kind of started to realize like right I think if I just and working for the money here, I'm never gonna be driven to go and actually do more and improve and develop. Whereas actually when it came to the online side of things, when I first got, you know, and I'm sure again, we'll talk about Rob and Stu and Brad later on, like my kind of original three best clients, um, actually being able to create a change in someone's life, when you can do that and be responsible for someone's life, having a drastic improvement, that is the most fulfilling thing in the world. Like I always say to people, like if I didn't need a, a wage, I'd do it for free. Like it was just absolutely immense. So I think it was just, it took a bit of time to discover what I really wanted out of the job. And don't get me wrong, money's nice. Everyone likes money. Of course. Of but course. The, the fact that I get to wake up every day now and just do work that I enjoy, work that's fulfilling and I'm excited to spring out of bed, like you just you just can't beat that. So it was never, it was never going to last for long in PT because I was purely just turning up for an hourly wage. Mm. Yeah. One thing that always sort of stuck out to me from early on was you went with a business coach mm. pretty quickly. I'd say not straight away, but maybe a month in. Yeah. You were with Adam and he's an elite 
elite business coach and he's taken you and his team to yeah you know great heights obviously with a lot of hard work from yourself and what would you advise someone in terms of if they're looking for a business coach because it's a, a mentor in a way because this yeah. is something you always say to me is like get one like yeah. it's the best thing you've ever done but if someone's looking now and listening to this and wondering you know i'm a bit on i'm a bit on edge should i do it should i invest the money what would you recommend to them um i think with this sort of stuff you've always got to look at and I think the tricky thing for people is that it, it costs money, right? And when you're in the initial stages of a business and you haven't got a big pool of money sat there, it can be scary to go and invest a load of money in a mentor, right? You're thinking, oh, it might cost me 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 pounds. But at the same time, you've got to look at like, what's the what's the cost of you not doing it, right? Mm-hmm. What's the cost of in 12 months time, your business is still only pulling in 500 pounds a month and you're only just covering your outgoings. You know, when you could potentially be looking at earning 50, 60, 70, 80,000 pounds by the end of the year because you've got someone there to fast track that progress. Your cost isn't the 3,000 pounds, the 5,000 pounds of the mentorship. The cost for you is the fact that you're not earning the bigger money down the, down the end of the line. And again, it, there is a lot more to it than the money. Obviously, it comes from the fulfillment and the enjoyment for the job. But at the same time, you've got to look at, right, if I want to get somewhere fast, there's going to be people who have been there, lived it, breathed it, made the mistakes and, you know, can now guide me through those potholes and guide me down the wrong way, uh, down the right way, sorry. And it just means that ultimately you can just save yourself so much stress and so much aggro because every time you've got a problem, you turn around and go, when this happened to you, what did you do? They go, I did this. You replicate that and nine times out of 10, you fix the problem. Mm. So it just means that you get there so much quicker, you avoid all the mistakes. Um, and yet generally it's just been... Like I said, like I said to you before, it's been one of the best things I've ever done. I would never have been able to achieve what I've done so far just trying to figure it out on my own, Googling random stuff. You know, yeah. it just would never happen like that. So what they do is kind of just like provide you the structure mm. that you follow, a few lessons they've learned. Because obviously Adam has been very successful in this space and so has his team. So they're sort of providing you the structure, you know, how to run payment systems, things like that. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. sort of like teach you all the behind behind the scenes stuff which yeah you know all the not the boring stuff as well but like the stuff which is you don't really think about when you think about starting a business if that makes sense and yeah. yeah stuff which people skip over they're teaching you all all the behind the scenes stuff and how to excel your business and yeah grow properly right yeah definitely and i think that's where um i definitely chose the right person in adam and his team so again there might be some pts and coaches watching who have been targeted by these sorts of mentors and stuff before and i think it's always good to look at what is the what is this mentor specialty, right? Because there are other names out there for, um, you know, mentors that take coaches who have already established businesses who want to really become household names. And there are people like Adam who take people from absolute zero from scratch, no idea what they're doing to being able to basically get out of their other jobs and, and do it full time. And that's exactly what Adam and his team do. So it's got a nice phased approach to it where, like you say, in that initial phase, it's like, right, how on earth do I take payments from people? Because when I was PTing, I was waiting for bank transfers, but then... Like I said, you not. I hate saying you get walked over a little bit in PT, but at the same time, I was 19 at the time, and I'm asking these people for a couple hundred pounds a month, and I'm like, uh, can you can you please bank transfer me, please? I need to pay my rent, um, you know. And they're also kind of like, you know, they've got busy lives; they don't kind of see it as that important. So you end up getting your payments three to four days late from clients. Um, you know, you're worrying about how you're going to cover your outgoings, whereas like, you know, I got taught from day one with working with Adam. It's like, right, set up with a payment system that does direct debits, and now like my payments just go through like and they just do themselves and if they fail I get an email and I can chat to clients about getting them sorted but it's those little things like you say that get you set up and it's the one-time things at the start that you need to set up but then also once you've got those things out of the way we're now looking at right like how do I market effectively how do I actually um get on the phone with people and actually sign people up and then actually how do I 
create amazing results, right? Because you know we'll, we've spoke about this a lot where business becomes a lot easier when you're genuinely just really good at what you do. Mm-hmm. And I've actually got some slides prepared for a presentation I'm doing this weekend um, at Adam's event where I'm going to talk about some of this stuff. But you can now look at my current client base now, 64% of our current clients, you can trace a line of referrals back to the first good result. All of it just sprung off the back of that and it made my life so much easier. But I never knew how to coach until I joined up with Adam and you know learned off people like Nathan, like Jake, like Sam. Um, so it's really got to be looking at like what skills do you lack? And if you are an established coach and you can get an amazing result and you've got a well-established business already, yeah, maybe that the pathway that I went down won't be the right pathway for you. Maybe you need somebody who can just teach you how to turn the turbos on with scaling a business. But for me, I needed everything from basically ground zero. Otherwise, you know, you're almost sort of pissing in the wind with trying to do one thing, trying to do another, and you have no idea like what that direction really looks like and what your next steps are. To have someone map that out for you and make that incredibly clear so you always know what the next two steps ahead of you are is amazing. And it's something you can also transfer into fitness coaching as well, is that we obviously want to have that big end goal in the future. Like a lot of the guys, you know, they want the six packs and they want the, the biceps the size of Brighton um, mm-hmm. down the end of the line. But there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that time. And it can be quite overwhelming. I just hit the plant. <laughs> <laughs> it can be quite overwhelming thinking about like, there is so much work to do in that time. And there's so much that needs to be done. But if you can understand what the end of week one should look like, what the end of week four should look like, what the end of week eight should look like, you at least know that when you're getting to those stages, you can tell whether you're on track or not. And if yeah. you're not, you can pivot and you can adjust and you're not kind of sat there thinking, oh my days, it's never going to happen, mm. you know? Obviously, I think when you started up, correct me if I'm wrong, you were sort of just like a men's online coach is what you specialise in. Now you're specialising in fat loss mm. for men. And I think that's really big because I think there's a lot of people from COVID and, you know, just having a bit of a sedentary lifestyle who are packing on a lot of weight and have lost that confidence and what I've seen from you know following you on Instagram and watching your clients on Instagram is these guys just look like they've got a new life Mm -hmm. after they've had the results they look happy you know some have started fitness accounts Rob who we'll touch on later works for you now (laughs) and it's just like that that's such like a nice thing to watch how these people's life sort of do a 360 just by yeah. you know gymming and a few lifestyle changes and nutrition changes and that's huge what are some common challenges which you found with uh men who are trying to lose fat and like how would you address these problems when it when, when they come to you common problems i'd say there's always going to be a thing around like a lack of knowledge right um i think typically with the guys that i tend to work with they tend to be early 30s late 20s that kind of thing there's always this assumption that more training and training harder and just spending more time exercising is going to be the thing that potentially helps you lose weight, helps you get in shape. And I think that's a very outdated way of thinking. And for me, like, I feel like the biggest part of my job is now how do I remove friction? How do I make this as easy as possible for a client? And don't get me wrong, there are certain clients of mine who just love training. And I'm like, cool, we can get you in the gym six, seven days a week if you want. That's fine. But if you're someone who genuinely doesn't like the gym, they don't like exercise and they don't like doing this stuff, it's not going to be realistic to expect somebody to go and train six, seven days a week and be able to bring themselves into an environment that they're not happy in. So for me, it's now about like, if that's not the way for them, how do we now create an approach that actually works for this individual? And that's where I think a lot of people, a lot of coaches and PTs out there say that their training is tailored and personalized when I can tell you now that's 
it's not the case. Yeah. You know, the, the yeah, 98%, yeah. 99% of people, it's not. They're just, you know, they haven't really got that ability to kind of generally tailor things. Um, but the biggest challenge then comes from how do we create a process that works for this individual and that lack of knowledge makes it virtually impossible for the individual to do it on their own because they only know one way it's typically i need to start going to the gym every single day smash the gym for two hours and then they think that you know cut out all the junk food live off salads yeah i mean you will lose weight in the short term but you're going to bounce back incredibly hard and go the other way as soon as you have a terrible day at work and you know you need some sort of comfort you're not going to be able to stick to that process long term. Yeah. So it's then, yeah, the big challenge, like I said, I've probably repeated myself twice now, but the challenge is understanding that for that individual, how do I make this process work for me when they don't know any other way? And that's the biggest shift I find that we have to work on. Sammy, who I had on the podcast, performance nutritionist, she was awesome when we were talking about stuff like that. And she said, um, basically what you just said there is you, you strip everything back, you go to chicken, broccoli, rice, salad. People just lose motivation after like, a week and a half and then they fall back to their old habits she said what she looks at doing is if you're going to get that takeaway let's make some smarter choices in getting that takeaway let's get some veg let's change the you know the, the battered stuff to this let's get a lean meat sauce blah 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 and she says that's how she sort of has her success is not by trying to drastically change things because people don't want to do that people don't want to just eat salad all day people want to enjoy themselves people want to be able to eat out What's your view on what you guys do? And I know it's quite similar from our yeah. discussions on being able to be like, if you want that takeaway, get it, but make sure let's make a smart choice on this. What's your view on that? Yeah, no, very similar. And I think that's that's definitely the approach to take. I look at that in a similar way of, yeah, definitely can we, you know, swap the the chips for vegetables, you know, get a salad, side salad instead of your fries or um, you know, instead of like say the battered meat, it's like, can we get something a bit leaner? Those are definitely important considerations. But what I also like to look at is how can we look at potentially being a bit more proactive as opposed to reactive rather than turning up at the restaurant or turning up at the takeaway, trying to then decide like, oh, where can I make a smart choice? It's like, can we look at this over a four to five day period as opposed to just a like one meal kind of, kind of thing? So if we know we've got like the trip to the restaurant on Friday or we've got family coming over for a takeaway on Friday, it's like, can we do something on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to almost kind of combat the potential, I hate saying damage, because it probably gives off the wrong kind of vibe on that, but can we use Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to kind of create a bit of a buffer for ourselves, knowing that we've got a bit more of a calorie dense evening coming on Friday, for example, and put ourselves in that bit of a better position. So even if you did want to go and, you know, not swap your chips for a side salad like you could almost do the work in the days leading up and the days after to kind of compensate for those extra calories on a friday night for example so that, that's the way i try and tend to look at it is like can we look at this with a bit of a, a zoomed out lens and see where we can make those adjustments so that actually if you do just want to enjoy yourself and not think about it then you've got the license to do so but you've got to make that choice beforehand i think the problem we tend to see with a lot of guys is that they go and do the takeaway on the Friday night, then they feel guilty and then spend the next three, four days restricting themselves to high health because they feel like they've got to a point of failure. Whereas actually if the takeaway was part of the grand plan at the start of the week, then actually that takeaway is never going to be a failure. You're never going to feel the need to punish yourself in the following days, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, completely yeah. agree. I think another thing I was going to touch on was um, staying consistent. And this is huge like I struggle staying consistent in like a lot of aspects, but something I'm getting a lot better with just from building discipline. And what I see with your clients is 
a lot of them, and I can't speak for all of them because I don't know all of them, yeah. but from what I've seen, they're all really consistent in what they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to guess that's down to them, but it's also down to what you and Rob do. Is there anything in particular that you guys sort of try and tailor into your training to keep them consistent, whether that's dropping in messages, doing check-ins, like questionnaires? Obviously, I'm, I'm not, I've never been a part of your team, so I'm not sure the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. But what, what type of stuff do you guys do to keep them consistent? Obviously, it's, it comes from themselves, but in terms yeah. of your end, what do you guys do? Yeah, so obviously we have the, the typical stuff, like obviously we run like weekly check-ins and things like that, and you know make sure that we're regularly reviewing progress first and foremost, because I think, how do I, how do I go down this in a way that it makes sense? I think a lot of guys will, yeah, like, like we said earlier, they struggle to see what the shorter term milestones look like between where they are now and, and the dream end result, right? So I think a big thing for us is now looking at, I think a lot of people get hung up on their failures a lot and kind of only really think about the stuff they've done wrong. But a lot of the time they don't understand what the good stuff looks like in the short term. So again, there's little things like on the app we use, for example, like you get a little summary screen at the end of your workout to let you know all the new personal bests you've hit. And that's massive. And a lot of the guys like that. And that takes the focus away then from we tend to see a lot of the guys when they first join us, their mindset around the gym is I'm going to go to the gym for an hour and a half. And, but what they actually do in that time isn't necessarily part of the thought process. Whereas actually you can't progress from doing an hour and a half in the gym other than just going for longer. And if you want to constantly see progression and it's the, it's the feeling of achievement, right? That that's where it all stems from. If people don't feel like they're achieving stuff in the short term, they're not going to be able to stick to it long enough to, get that achievement in the long term. So we need to now help people understand what a successful gym session looks like and help them understand that they have progressed from the week before. And that's what those little personal best summary screens do and stuff. And we then tend to find that people get more invested in the progress within the gym as opposed to just going to the gym. Because like I said, you can't progress from going to the gym for 90 minutes other than doing 95 minutes, 100 minutes, 105. And you're going to come to a point if you go down that route where you're going to have to live there. You're going to run out of options for progression. But with things like um, with our lifts, with our kind of cardio and things like that, there's always performance markers we can improve on. So there's always something they can go and aim for the next week and walk out the gym feeling proud of themselves. And that's where I think the consistency comes is that we build out a process for people and help them understand where those progression points are. And they actually walk out the gym feeling proud of themselves and you know they've got something out of being in there as opposed to having to go in there and sweat through an hour and a half just because they feel like that's the right thing to do yeah, if you know yeah. what i mean so like sort of the extrinsic reward mm. type thing like you said the reward system after each thing what, what sort of software are you using for that uh, it's called trainerize so it's um yeah it's like a coach to client platform thing so yeah we just sort of like pay a fee to have all our clients on there and it's very well built actually and it allows us to keep uh an easy track of a lot of stuff and I think that's a big big point for us is that we want to try and keep the whole thing as simple as possible whilst we obviously have a lot of stuff that we have to work on we want to make sure that everything is as frictionless as possible for the client so everything that we could ever need to know will be stored in one place it's really accessible and it's really easy to use because when you're in a state where you're a bit resistant to making change you will find any friction point you can and any reason you can find to not go and do the work so if we can remove any issues of Oh, I don't know how to track my workouts. I don't know what workout I should do. I don't know how often I should be going. If we can map that all out in one place, it's really, really simple. You've just then got the ability to turn up and basically look at a phone screen and know exactly what you need to do that day. And it just takes all of that thinking out of it. And you can imagine that when you've got, you know, 
clients who are working maybe nine, 10 hour days at work and they've got a lot of stress going on. The last thing they want to think about is when they get out, out of work and head to the gym, they don't want to have to decide what their workout is themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have to try and figure out, oh shit, what was I, what was I lifting last week? It might've been 20 kilos, but it might've been 22. I don't know. I'll just do 20 again. It just eliminates all that risk of complacency and just, yeah, it just clears everything up and makes it nice and smooth and nice and frictionless. And I feel like that's a big thing for the guys. It's just making it frictionless for them. Again, just adds to that feeling of, they know that they can get in there and do stuff and it doesn't necessarily have to be a chore. You know, they can actually go and enjoy yeah, for that. for sure. Yeah. In terms of like programming and stuff, and obviously this is stuff we've done at rugby, we get like hypertrophy program, size programs, you know, whatever I need is mm. for rugby. Is there like a set program in terms of reps and sets which you guys are using? Obviously Rob does a lot of the programming, mm. I think from what you said. Yeah. At the moment, you guys sit down together and run through it. Um, is there anything you do in particular for these guys in terms of losing fat or is it just like a generic program tailored to what their needs are and what you guys do? Yeah, so I think when it comes to fat loss, you've got to remember that fat loss overall comes from like the nutrition and lifestyle change, to be honest. Like the the gym program itself and what the gym program consists of, I'd say is probably the least important thing in a fat loss journey, which a lot of people won't understand until they've been on the journey or they've coached the journey. the program itself we just now need to look at what does this individual need so if we've got someone for example who is you know massively overweight we don't necessarily need to go in there and have them pumping heavy weights and you know trying to get absolutely massive we need to just build like a bit of a work capacity would be my first thoughts it's like can we get them in there and of course we we want to avoid the mindset of i'm going to the gym for 60 minutes but for me i'm thinking how much work can this person get through in a 60 minute period and that would be our progression model so we're never going to be putting them under stuff that is going to put their joints in danger we're never going to be putting them under under stresses that their body isn't able to deal with we've got to kind of meet them where they're at and understand like what is this person capable of and can we just add one percent to that every time right so for some people when they first start out like say if they are really really overweight their joints aren't going to be in a great position to go and do things like running to do things like jumping around they're not going to be doing things like that they're going to be more doing probably cardio heavy stuff machine-based work that they can use to kind of almost get their joints to a position where they can uh facilitate the harder stuff and as we kind of get that bit of a better ability the body begins to adapt to that we can start adding in those complexities to the point where now obviously you know rob's been for a hell of a journey rob's in a great condition right now so we've got him more on like a functional type um training plan like similar to probably sort of stuff that yourself and i do where he's doing a bit more running he's doing a bit more like the metabolic conditioning and things like that but at the beginning it was very simple stuff like we just don't want to ever throw someone in at the deep end and, and risk injury uh, because ultimately the problem with injury is a lot of general population clients as soon as they get the slightest injury they think right that's me out I can't do anything whereas yourself and I know because we spent most of our time in rugby at rehab anyway um, you know that you get an ankle injury you've still got a right leg that can work and you know you know there is benefits to that you've got core you've got upper body you've got conditioning you can Mm. do we know that because we probably quite enjoy the training side of things and we'll find that way to make it work but for a gen pop client the second they get the slightest little niggle in an elbow or a slight achy knee or a slight lower back they're like whoa i'm not doing anything and yeah. then when that happens you know what happens they revert back to old habits so you again to summarize that because i'm going on for like ages you just got to meet the client where they're at understand what is the biggest priority in terms of work ons right now and if i've got someone who is morbidly obese i'm not trying to make a bodybuilder out of them i'm trying to get them to a point where they can enjoy moving and being active because that is going to be the overall thing that is going to facilitate the best result for them in terms of fat loss. And of course, we get the guys who go on to do a little bit more with the photo shoots and, you know, they get into more that sort of bodybuilding style thing, which is fantastic. 
but they're not training like that from day one. They've almost got to earn the right to be able to go and do yeah, that because sure. if they try and do that from day one, body's going to pack in and they're not going to get nowhere. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I think that's really, really well said. Um, obviously, a large portion of, well, the main focus of this podcast is mental health and sort of talking about my journey and the people that come on. Um, what I'd like to talk about is the mental health of your clients and in terms of what I see from the outside is I see people who are a bit lost. I see people who have sort of let themselves go in some ways and, you know, just need a bit of guidance to put on the right track. And what I've seen from when you started and where you are now, and I touched on it earlier, is these people's lives have not just 360, 180, 180, 360? You know what I mean? Done a full, huge change to their physical bodies. But, you know, happy body, happy mind. And I just want to ask, from your point of view, all these guys look so much happier, they look confident, and I think that's huge. Dealing with them on a day-to-day basis, do you see a lot of difference in when these people first come to you and they're like, Zach, I need your help, to where they are now and they're confident, you know, they got their tops off on the beach, they're on holidays, mm-hmm. like Stu, for example, we talked about Stu, like I think you said his goal was he wanted to be confident sort of mm-hmm. being on holiday and and he has that now and he has yeah. that and that's going to bring him in a good mental space from not feeling worried about his body but I just wanted to ask, in terms of your clients in general, from when they first joined to where they are now, do you see a huge difference mentally in sort of the way they conduct themselves? Yeah, 100%. And I think, um, in my view anyway, and of course I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a therapist or anything, but the way I view um, mental health and this this kind of mindset side of things, I almost try and see it as like a continuum, right? Like you get kind of a middle spot where there's they're not really kind of either side. You get people who probably struggle with more... Um, mental health what we would call mental health issues where they're kind of maybe in the negative mm-hmm. but we also we you know, we have a big aim to try and bring people up to that kind of neutral position but I don't necessarily want to just stop at that neutral position so we want to almost look at like once we've dealt with mental health issues and done yeah, again without sounding like we are therapists and counsellors because we're not when the work that we have done helps them to get up back up to that sort of neutral point it's then looking at right how far into the positive can we get yeah. <laughs> um, how far into the positive can we get and move away from it being about mental health and it being about mental performance yeah and that's something that I'm absolutely massive on and we got again is it comes with meeting clients where they're at on that continuum so if we look at um people like Rob for example where he's at now our conversations on the day-to-day and as much as he still you know he works for me now there are still elements where he is my client and you know we do a lot of work for him we are now looking less at mental health of Rob we're now looking at like mental resilience because he's got a lot going on in his personal life there's a lot going on he's got a lot to deal with work-wise and you know I won't lie I'm quite demanding as uh, a boss or employer whatever you want to call it you know I've got quite high standards because ultimately what we've built in terms of Teams NSF comes from high standards so for us it's now looking at where does that mental performance come from where's the resilience where is the consistency whereas potentially when we first started with potential other clients it's like right at the moment we're feeling Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Yeah, so we yeah. clean. They, they feel fucking miserable six, six, <laughs> six out of the seven days of the week. I'm like, right, can we just get to a point where we only feel miserable five days of the week? <laughs> then yeah. four, then three, then two. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, and you know, I think those things are just as important progress measures and you can take those over to actions and behaviours as well. Like I I won't name names because again, this guy's a bit more private with, with kind of how he likes to um, do with coaching. But 
Uh, we've got one of the guys on at the moment who works a very stressful job, probably works more hours than anybody I know, has a family to look after, and you know, generally developed some quite tough and challenging eating behaviours around his stress and very much a comfort eater. And when we got to first start up, I'm talking, you know, probably six days out of seven days of the week, he would fuck his diet up the wall and go absolutely mad on food, anything he could find. Whereas now, you know, don't get me wrong, he's no bodybuilder yet. We've still got a lot of work to do, but we're at a point now where those real big slip up days, we're maybe getting one every three weeks, which yeah, yeah. as much as in the moment when he has that big slip up, he, he goes a bit, oh, I feel terrible. Oh, but I'm like, look, we used to have six of these a week. We're now getting one every three weeks. That is a hell of an achievement. So it's just about then understanding what does this client need to achieve to be able to feel better about themselves and also giving them the space to be able to understand what that looks like because it can be very difficult to understand what that looks like when you're in it i'm sure you can imagine yourself like when you're um in your the midst of a mental health struggle like you get pretty tunnel vision right you, oh, yeah, you, you sure. can't see external things but for us it's just that ability to hold the space for a client and help them see with that zoomed out lens we can actually open up a whole new perspective and i think that's absolutely huge yeah yeah so what i, I talked about on the podcast i think with joe about like the five pillars of mental health mm. and one of them which was the main one for both of us was exercise mm. no matter how small it was and i think it's just you can't beat it in my opinion if you get it like for me if people don't know me for me when i struggle i doom scroll like mm. with my adhd and my anxiety i doom scroll i'm on yeah. tiktok i look at my phone two hours have gone by i'm like waiting for that hit of dopamine i'm waiting 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 i'm like oh i need it i need it mm. And then it was only when it, like, I saw a video and it was like, stop doom scrolling. Like, you don't even remember what you watched two posts ago. Yeah. And I was like, I can't remember anything I just watched, but I'm doing it. And that's, I think it's sort of like recognizing these problems. And for an exercise for me, it can be as little as just putting my phone down, going for a walk without my phone. And it's my girlfriend who started, I started doing that with. And that, that was massive, sort of just like being able to be present in my own mind, go for a walk without my phone. And it doesn't matter how small, like the amount of exercise you do. You go back, you never feel worse than when you left. Yeah. Like I've never gone for a walk without my phone and gone back and gone, you know what? I feel worse. Yeah. I've always felt better every single time, 10 out of 10. And I think when you just grow into it a bit more, and I spoke about this with Joe, is people get that misconception that, exercise has to be tough mm. and exercise has to be strenuous and you have to sweat and it has to be rubbish when it's not the case you can learn to really enjoy it and I think that's what you've got your clients doing is they probably had past experiences where they went to the gym and they didn't really know what they were doing and they felt a bit uncomfortable and mm. even the, I find the gym a bit like uncomfortable you get yeah. loads of people in there and like I've gym maybe like seven eight years now and I still get a bit like oh, a bit on edge yeah but then I think just tailoring them, th like tailoring their experience through that and getting them to enjoy it has like paid dividends and obviously in the results that you have on your Instagram. I think that's massive as, uh, exercise in particular. In terms of keeping a positive mindset, you're someone who's a very positive guy from being around you and the way you conduct yourself day to day. You never really see, you never see the problems. You can point out the problems, but you always find the solution mm. just from getting to know you the last few years and being around. And that's something I've always admired about you in terms of pushing that onto clients and stuff. Because I'm sure like I'd be a bit skeptical going into an online coach being like, is this guy going to mug me off? Is he not? Like he sent me a DM. Yeah. How do you keep a positive mindset for your clients and 
that starts with you. That starts with you. That starts with Rob portraying yourself well to them and getting them to trust you. Is there anything in particular that you find helps in keeping that positive mindset to help them and get them through their journey? Hell of a question. (laughs) That hit me. Um, Yeah, there's, there's a lot to it. And I think the first thing for me is the problem that they're presenting isn't always the real problem. And that's what I think I've, one of the biggest things I've learned as a coach over the last little while is that the first problem that someone presents is often a smokescreen for something else. So for me, I think the biggest thing that I like to do, and it's maybe not necessarily something that someone watching can kind of go and just apply on their own, but I would just sit and hold space, right? As opposed to me coming in and going, right, what's wrong? And you go, I'm stressed. And I come out with all these solutions of like, ah, oh, go for a walk or, uh, I don't know, get a stress ball, you know, chucking shit at the wall hoping it sticks mm-hmm. quite frankly I think the biggest thing for me is just to sit there and listen and this is really ironic now in my own mind because it does come from a position of you always hear if you're struggling talk to somebody mm-hmm. and I am the worst in the world at that I'm absolutely dreadful like I will wait until I feel like the world is crumbling around me and then I'll go please I need help <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, and I'll sit in the corner quietly and try and whisper to someone can you just give me a hand um, but the ability to just give someone that um, space to be able to unload this stuff. And it's tough when you're first getting into coaching to not take that negative stress in as well. That's that's the tough bit. You've got to find a balance between I'm now not taking the stress away from the client. I'm just giving them the opportunity to be able to get it out in the open. You'll often find that when someone has that space to talk into, they'll talk themselves back into the reality and they'll, they'll uncover the actual issues themselves just by you sitting there just going tell me a little bit more or just actually giving them that space to speak um with no expectation of you know i'm never going to get on a call with a client and say right by the end of this you are going to feel absolutely fantastic but at the same time i'm going to ask you some questions that are going to probe a little bit deeper and help you understand a bit more about the way you're feeling and when we can do that with a client they can start to understand why they feel a certain way and they understand potentially the actual reasons beneath like if i give you for an example like you know, it's not something I talk about massively publicly, but I I struggle with my food quite a lot over my last year of university. Obviously, we've only just finished that. Um, and I always said to myself, it's because I'm so busy. I haven't got time to cook. So as much as I wasn't, you know, terrible, there was times where I would make decisions that probably weren't desirable in terms of the goals I was trying to push towards. I can sit here with my hands up and, and own that. And it was only when one of my own coaches, uh, a lady called Jen, who was very deep into like client psychology and stuff, um, sat down and had a chat with me that, we, we kind of came to this realisation that I'm saying I'm not sorting my own food out, I'm getting takeaways because I'm busy, but actually it takes eight minutes to do chicken in the air fryer mm. and you know you can chuck a bag of vegetables in the microwave while it's on, so eight minute dinner, but I would walk 15 minutes down to Roosters or 10 minutes down to Roosters, sit there and wait for 15 minutes for it to be cooked, walk home with it and eat it, and that took up an hour and I was doing that without a problem. So, yeah. so then we can then sit there and go, actually, is it a time problem? Or is it something else? And it was like, actually, it can't be a time problem. So I'm finding the time to do that. It then transpired that actually I was stressed out of my nut because I was trying to write a dissertation. I was trying to coach fitness clients, coach business clients, trying to keep on top of my own stuff. I was seeking comfort. Yeah. And the second that Jen and I uncovered that, it was like, I was like, oh my days. I could never see it before and it was so obvious. Yeah. But it took just Jen sitting there and letting me talk a bit more about it and start to uncover my own thought processes but then when she kind of said to me you're seeking comfort 
I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, what foods are you typically reaching for? And I was like, well, I ran through this, 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 and this. And she said, how many of those foods does your mum typically cook for you when you're at home? Or so you live away from home these days. <laughs> and I was like, about 90% of them was stuff that I grew up eating. It was mum's cooking. It's comfortable feeding foods. And I'm like, it was just mind blowing. Yeah. And ever since that moment, I can now, when I do get that feeling of like, oh yeah, I'm, I haven't got time. I'm just going to go and get something quickly from Sainsbury's I can put in the microwave or I'm going to go and grab a takeaway. I sit there and I think, am I, do I genuinely not have time right now? Or am I reaching for comfort because I'm lacking it elsewhere in my life? And I'll go, actually, what have I done today? I've been at my desk for 10 hours straight dealing with stressful clients, dealing with stressful business clients, dealing with stressful things with tax returns and all the other sort of stressful stuff in business. Yeah, it's no wonder that I'm wanting something comfortable now because I've had a bloody hard day. And the second I realise that, I can go, okay, cool, that's fine. I need to take a couple hours off tomorrow to give myself a bit of me time, a bit of time to de-stress, a bit of time to relax. Let me make the right decision now. And if I still want this stuff tomorrow, I can have it then. Mm. I wake up in the next morning, phone off for the morning, go for a walk, go for a gym, get stuff done. And I feel immense again. And I don't have thoughts of comfort food. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing to come from all of that is it's awareness is the biggest thing to allow you to then be able to go deal with your problems yourself being aware of why your thought patterns work a certain way will be the key for you to be able to then go and do um what is it called um i have a little framework i use with certain clients like rsr so it's like recognize stop replace yeah so i can recognize stop replace yeah recognize stop replace so i can sit there and recognize that i'm now starting to lean towards comfort foods because i'm potentially stressed out i can stop and go and rationalize it whilst I stop and go, okay, is this the right move? Probably not. What do I then replace it with? Okay, I'm gonna go and actually have the, the chicken and vegetables that I have in the fridge ready to go because it is going to take eight minutes and it's gonna serve me towards my goals better. Yeah, mm. and but it takes that moment for you to stop and breathe to actually analyze your decision-making, which you'll never be able to do if you don't understand why you're making certain decisions, if you know what I mean. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. So another thing I wanted to touch on was your clients and you've had some amazing clients so far, but first of all, I was going to talk about Rob. Rob was your first client and he's now working alongside you, yeah. if I'm not wrong, and yes. working for you now, which is, I think, sick. But talk about Rob and how you guys met and stuff. Yeah, so um, when I first started online coaching properly and kind of obviously had started working with Adam, knew kind of what I was doing in that sense, um, I got I signed three clients up in the first week or two rob being one of them uh and yeah we've come ahead of a long way so where did rob start rob was probably someone like we said earlier who lost his direction a bit lost his way um keen sort of into like motorbikes and things like that his problem was he drank a lot smoked a lot ate not very good foods in fairness yeah, yeah, but yeah. again probably off the back of a lot of personal struggles with relationships and things like that that happened in the past i won't won't dive into it too much because obviously it's his yeah, business, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, Rob was at a point where, yeah, very directionless, kind of just staying still in life and not really kind of going anywhere. He was, I think he had some family members and kind of friends who he now admits weren't really friends. They were just methods to make him feel better about himself because there was no one else, uh, but who were into the gym, strength training, bodybuilding, probably not the most desirable characters to be around. I'm sure he'll agree. And hopefully no one of them see this and they don't think it's them. But um, either way, the... the, <laughs> the um, the thing with Rob was we needed to get to a point where he actually had a bit of confidence in what he was doing, yeah. right? So he went through phases for maybe two, three years prior to working with me where he would do the same thing everyone else did, where they'd go to the gym and maybe do it for like two, three weeks, smash the living daylights out of it, and then again, just get bored because they didn't have these 
milestones in place. They didn't have the structures in place to be able to maintain it long term. You do a couple of weeks, cut out all the junk food, eat salads, maybe lose a couple of kilos. Then again, get bored, lose motivation, go back to the same stuff. So it was a, it was a bit of a yo-yo cycle on that front for quite a while. Um, obviously, I then started doing a little bit more on social media, came across Rob, we had a couple of conversations uh, and he ended up signing on. So obviously in that time, we had a lot of work to do. Um, over the, I'll keep it brief so we're not ran on too long, but over the first, how long it was? So he started with me in the September and I think by February, he, or by February or March time, he had lost 13 kilos, got, got not a bad little six pack on him as well. Yeah. Um, and just kind of totally transformed the way he was kind of operating. We obviously did the first photo shoot, which was was pretty cool. Um, off the back of that, we then spent a bit of time doing a bit of muscle building with him, which he didn't really like. And we kind of realized maybe bulking wasn't the wasn't the way forward for him. Again, it's a lot harder mentally to, to kind of do it right. We then shredded him back down again, did another photo shoot. Um, and at that point, obviously, uni was starting to pick up and be quite busy for me client numbers have grown by this point you know we're talking maybe a year or so down the line um and i did just need a little bit of help with how i was going to continue to grow to be able to kind of obviously go and carry on building the business i didn't want to just sit where i was until uni was finished because it was still another year to go right um so initially rob came on board almost like as a bit of an apprentice so like at the time there was a lot of programming to do which i didn't necessarily have master time to do so i first just got rob basically to take programming off my hands so he would be writing clients training programs i would still deal with the nutrition the actual client management and one-to-one -one work with clients he was almost just sort of behind the scenes helping me out with that workload in terms of gym programs it then developed a little bit more where i kind of got to a point where rob had done the first photo shoot you know kind of almost completed it and got to a point where very self-sufficient didn't really need much coaching anymore maybe just the odd chat every now and again around the personal stuff the mental health stuff still. yeah exactly just a bit of a mentor there really as opposed to needing a fitness coach like he's in great shape he knows what he's doing he didn't need me sitting there doing weekly check-ins for him and nutrition audits and things like that so that was fine um we then started to look at like right what's rob's next purpose because if we just sit here and just continually build a bit of muscle and shred again, build a bit of muscle, shred again. It's going to get boring and there's not really as much of a purpose to that. So Rob then came on board as what we would call um, almost like a success coach, support coach. There's a couple of terms for it in the industry where, again, he would still take care of the programming. I was doing the main bulk of the coaching, but he was almost just there just like an extra layer of support for all our clients. For, for example, if I was busy, if I was driving up and down the motorway, kind of going to do events or going to see people, he was almost just on hand to answer the basic questions and just give people that little bit of extra support in case I wasn't around, maybe offer some insights from his own journey, um, which again, led, led us on to a point where we started discussing, right, you know, what, where do we want to take this long term? And for me, I probably wasn't necessarily ready to take on another full-time coach at that time because it, it was quite a big step and I didn't really know what I was doing. Got a bit of a push from Adam and Nathan to be like, right, let's just let's just do it and we'll figure out how to manage it later. Like, yeah. like we'll just chuck, chuck ourselves in the deep end and we'll sink yeah. or swim. And that was quite cool. Um, so we eventually got on the discussion of right, let's um let's start giving Rob one-to-one -one clients. Now that he's more experienced with a bit of support coaching and he's got ideas around programming, let's just make him a full-time coach. Which obviously we couldn't do straight away because we needed to bring in enough money to be able to pay him and you know be able to take him out of the other job. So we spent a little while where he was working part-time for me, still doing his engineering job, his nine to five, um, and then got to a point where we knew that we wanted to take him out of his other job and bring him in full-time to Team ZSF at some point. But we were at a kind of stage where it was like, we weren't quite bringing in enough money off his clients to be able to justify it or for him to be able to actually kind of come afford to leave his job because he was getting paid like a, a fee per client at that mm -hmm. point, if you know what I mean. We got to a point where 
he couldn't really handle too much more in terms of workload because he was still working his nine to five. He had like other other commitments and, you know, it, we were a bit limited. So we were just like, we had a bit of a fuck it moment and we were just like, right, sweet, I'm going to pay him a load of money to take him out of his job. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't exactly profitable to begin with. And I was just like, Ah oh, well, well, we'll make it work, won't we? Profitable now. Yeah, profitable now. We're good. doing a good. We're doing a good job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we just took a bit of a sink or swim approach. Where I was like, well, if my back's against the wall and money's going down, like I'll find a way to get money going back up till we're in the green again. And you know, it didn't take long. And that's the way I do things. I'm just like, let's just do it, and we'll figure out a way to make it yeah. work later. So we're at a point now where Rob has left his engineering job, which was very unfulfilling for him. The environment wasn't massively positive um surrounded by people who again weren't necessarily in the same sort of growth mindset that he was um to a point where now he works full-time for me coaching his own one-to-one clients in the business does you know has his own clients who's doing everything with them all their programming their nutrition their weekly check-ins catch-up calls onboarding calls the whole lot so he's a, he's a fully-fledged coach now um and he is absolutely smashing it yeah, i have good. to say like he is good. absolutely killing it um and actually it's been it's been quite cool for me as a bit of a bit of a next step coaching wise because again i feel like i've I've progressed in certain aspects very quickly. Like I look at mm. other coaches I work with sort of within the OTE who have been doing this maybe like five, six years and I'm almost sort of getting to stages in certain parts of the business and stuff anyway where I'm almost doing things that they didn't do till year six and seven, but I'm doing them now. Things like hiring a coach. Like a lot of coaches won't hire more coaches for a good five, six years until they've had all that experience themselves. And I've had that opportunity just to accelerate things a little bit quicker. And I'm actually loving now developing Rob as a coach and almost using what I've learned in the last two years of coaching clients to understand that it's not about the gym program it's about how do we create this frictionless process for somebody it's really rewarding for me to be able to go and coach him on that and see almost there's like this cascade effect now where I'm passing my knowledge on to him and he's almost doing the job that you know I've been doing for the last two years with all the new guys that are coming in much like how Adam built his first fitness business then now kind of coaches and mentors fitness coaches to go and do the same it's almost like that same cascading effect which is really really cool so yeah we're now at a point where rob left a place that was very toxic and he's now absolutely thriving you know lots going on in personal life don't get me wrong and it's it's not been just an easy transition yeah, where we not. you know come out of a job there's always a lot of risk and a lot of worry to it but um the guy's absolutely flying and um to think that it all just stemmed from we were like okay cool let's let's uh give this guy a gym program and you know do a bit of dieting yeah. to the point where now like life like you said has done a complete 180 and i think a 180 probably is a bit of an understatement yeah, yeah um he's now got purpose he's fulfilled you know he's doing a job that genuinely makes him happy he's excited for every day um you know he's so re- reformed his social life and you know he's met a new partner and she's absolutely fantastic and yeah just life for him from what i can see anyway and what he tells me is just um a million times better yeah yeah so good i'm um, one bit I love about that as well is you're promoting from within mm. and not hiring someone who's not in a way bought into Team ZSF. Mm. Like Rob was the first guy. Yeah. Rob was, you know, the first one. And I'm yeah. sure you were panicking on that phone call being <laughs> like, oh yeah, let's do this, let's do this. Yeah. Like, it's the first call. Like Rob's, Rob was number one. Yeah. And I love how that's, everything sort of stemmed from him as well. Like yeah. you said earlier, sort of like a branch out of, Rob brought this guy in and that guy brought this guy in yeah. and then so on and so on and so on. Mm. And now he's been able to join your team. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And like you, uh, just from seeing him on your page and what he posts, like he looks like a different bloke. Mm-hmm. You know, he's shredded. He's done those photo shoots, which I'll touch on quickly as well. Yeah. As I think that's 
like really good mm. like not just selling point but like motivation for people like they want good like they want to look good mm. in a photo shoot that's like something not many people do like i've never done yeah anything like that. i'd be like oh yeah, yeah i want to get shredded for that a bit yeah. of like motivation but i think that's awesome that you've been able to hire them and would you do that again if there was someone right for the team or do you think you'd if you were to hire someone would you bring someone in externally or yeah. What's your sort of thought process on that? Because it's worked amazingly so far from what yeah. we spoke about behind the scenes as well. Yeah, I, I would always prefer to hire from within. And again, I get that because obviously Adam sort of hired me from within and mm-hmm. he, he's done that pretty much for his whole team. And I, the the reason that that's so good is because, again, like I said, where Rob was number one, he's seen everything from the ground up. Like he knows, he's been through the journey. He understands my values, my principles. He understands what we are kind of about, you know, and that's the thing where we're not just generic you know, chicken, rice and veg, gym program, bodybuilder coaches, like we've got some quite nice values and quite nice things we kind of do within the team. And ultimately that's been built around him. Like he's been there since day dot. Like, you know, he, he is just as much Mr. ZSF as I am because he's been there from moment one. But the thing that I always tell people is that I probably wouldn't have hired another coach so early if it wasn't him. It was just a bit of a, he was the perfect fit. It was a perfect progression and it was like, it just made sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in future, again, would I look to hire from in- internally? hundred percent. I'd love to bring someone into a coaching role who really understands what we're doing, where we're driving and where we're going. But at the same time, it's, I wouldn't want to just hire from within for the sake of hiring from within. If the right person isn't there, then of course I'll look externally. But yeah, having someone who really is on the same wavelength as you and has really kind of bought into that vision is, um, is priceless because I can, ask this guy to go and do anything, he will run through brick walls for me. Yeah. You know, and I have to give him so much credit for that. The amount of hard work that bloke puts in, you know, when, you know, quite frankly, if I drop the ball on something and I'm like, mate, I need you to help me out here. And it's beyond really what I'm paying for. You can guarantee he will run through brick walls and, and sort me out and help me out to get to where I need to be. Legend. You know, that's uh, that's the beauty of it. Cause he's really, he's benefited from the process and he now understands the true value of it. And he can then really radiate that onto other people. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some of your success stories you've had. And you've had some pretty good ones. Rob obviously being one of them. Yeah. But one which always like stood out to me was Aaron Sluggett. Is it Aaron Sluggett? Aaron Sluggett, yeah. So he when I saw him the first time, we talked about, oh, you've you brought someone new on, you know, he knew someone on your team, I think you said yeah, it yeah. could be wrong. Good friends of Brad. Yeah. Brad yeah, Brad and his transformation is insane. Yeah. It's a, talk talk about what he's done and in such a short period of time as well. Yeah, so Aaron has dropped like 30 kilos over the space of, I think it was 11 months he did 30 kilos in, something silly like that. Um, I think the big thing for him was, I look back at our first call we ever had and I saw a guy who was shy, introverted, unsure of himself. We basically went through this consult call and he was giving me like one word answers the whole way through. It's like, you could just tell he wasn't, confident enough in himself to open up and you know as much as weight loss is great and he, you can tell he's totally transformed physically like the change is ridiculous the the big thing for me is he's now so much more confident in himself like just the way he even comes across generally when you chat to him you never see the guy without a smile on his face he's always oh, like so buzzing for life like again he's gone and, and kind of got himself out there got in the gym uh, i'm pretty sure he, he's got a girlfriend now i'm pretty sure he met her in the gym i i believe or they're from the same gym or nice. whatever um 
and yeah, you know, he's going off traveling, you know, he's now just leading a totally different life from, he, he was one of those examples where he kind of got bogged down in lockdown where he worked from home, where he had a desk basically at the end of his bed, um, in his bedroom, still living with his sort of, uh, his mum's house. And he would basically wake up in the morning, chuck some clothes on, walk three feet to his desk, sit down, work from nine to five, mm. go downstairs, sit on the couch for three hours, then go to bed again. And like, that was what life was for yeah. for a long time before he kind of joined up with me. And now we've just got to this point where he's going out, he's trying new things, he's meeting new people. He's just got that more active lifestyle to him. And yeah, just like a totally different guy. And that is just so fulfilling for me to not even just be the physical change, but just the way this guy lives his life. He is just a different person. Yeah, you know? I must have done wonders for his mental health as yeah. well. Obviously, I, I don't know Aaron. I've never mm -hmm. spoke to him before, but it's funny in terms of mental health is... Any, obviously anyone can suffer from mm. mental health problems you don't choose them like I didn't choose mine but it's a way of dealing with them and I have the utmost respect for the people that are getting out of bed mm. changing their routine I'm sure that was so hard for him obviously never spoke to him mm. but that's not an easy thing to do when that's your routine yeah. that's what you're doing you're walking to your desk you're getting out of bed you're putting clothes on you're going back to bed that's hard to break after a while mm -hmm. and the fact he's done that and he's done so well and I think he, He's got a fitness account now. Yeah. You know, I, I was looking at your Instagram and I was just looking through it. I was like, hey, what, what legends? Like, that, yeah. that guy's life is just turned on its head as a lot of your clients are. Yeah. So that's just awesome in terms of mental health, but also physical health. It comes back to the point why I wanted to bring you on is just to show people, get out and exercise mm. and change these rhythms. The the guys that are on your team, that they're, they're doing this. They're doing this day to day. They're, yeah. they're disciplined. They're waking up. They're going they're getting it done, they might not want to, but they're doing it because they're doing it for their mental health, they're doing yeah. it for their physical health. And like you said, it's changed him in terms of he's, he's met a girl at the gym, yeah. you know, got a girlfriend, that's awesome. You know, new friends, more confident, he's gone from one word answers to, yeah. you know, a smile on his face every day, like that's priceless. Like yeah. you can't you can't put price on something yeah. like that and you're coaching and that's why I think it's just like so rewarding what you're doing as well. And we talked about it off camera, but when you said you do it for free, like I do this for free, mm. I, lo I lose money from this and I love it. Mm. I've been doing it a short, short time now, but like this is everything by getting to meet people on this and talk about like your stories and the stories of your clients. I just think it's such like an amazing platform and yeah. I know you're the same in what you do. Yeah. Could I just touch on um, just something else just while we're on that topic that spring to mind? I think when we are looking at combining this transformation process and the physical health with the mental health side, I think the biggest thing that not enough people talk about is that I think the mental change comes from understanding that you are capable mm -hmm. and I think like say it is very hard to break out of those habits and those routines when you are just in a place where ultimately you're getting out of bed to move three feet work eat your dinner and go to bed again like that's quite a hard thing to break out of and it can seem like such a mammoth task but if we can now get somebody to a point where we've got this long list of things to do today for their own physical and mental health obviously we phase that in and it's not like an initial big lump of things to do but we build that up over time it's the ability for somebody to say i'm going to do something and then go and do it and no matter what realm or what industry you work in or what area of life you're trying to apply this to if you can do hard shit and just stick in and do things you say you're going to do that just gives you such a better platform to go and excel elsewhere in life right mm -hmm. and again and it's yeah. we, we can relate that back to rob obviously i'm not trying to dive too much between clients but i bet he would have never thought that he could have the courage to go and jump out of a job that he's been doing for 12 years had he not been through this process and understood that he was capable of so much more than he realized he understood that he spent six to eight months or however long it was 
nailing down a diet process, a training process, and going in and nailing it every single fucking day, quite frankly. And on moment one, that would have felt impossible. So what he's then feeling at the end of that eight months is I've genuinely done what I thought was impossible. So of course I can go and do other stuff. I now understand that I can turn around and say to somebody, I'm going to do this and I will go and follow through with it because that's the kind of person I am now. Yeah. You can apply that across all areas of your life and that is just invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And it, it's, it comes back to point as well as one thing for me, which I changed my mindset on was it sounds so little, but when I was in the gym sometimes, if I was lifting heavy and I had five reps to do and I was like really struggling, if I was on my own, I'd sometimes do four. Yeah. No one can tell me no, it's in my head. But by doing that fifth and completing it and doing the extra, like you said, that just transforms into day-to-day life. Mm. It makes you more confident. You're like, I can do this, I can do this. And it's such like a minor switch. But when you program your brain to always do below what you want to do, that just mentally like doesn't mentally ruin you, but it it does have an effect after a while. Like it ticks over in your head, like I'm gonna read five pages of this of this book. Actually, I didn't read it in the end. That yeah. just ticks over into, I'm going to wake up. Oh, I didn't wake up. I'm having a lion. Yeah. And then that, that ruins your mental state. And that's yeah. one thing I found for myself was making sure if I say something, I stick to it. Yeah. Because ultimately, it, you imagine like your every action that you make is a vote towards the person that you want to become, right? So we've got the person over here who you really want to be. It's the dream ideal version of yourself who does get up on time, who does go and do that extra rep in the gym, who does stick to their routine. And you've got the person over here who stays in bed till 10 o'clock, who um, you know doesn't go out and push themselves to achieve more. Every time you make that decision of like, oh, I won't bother today, you're putting a vote in the box for this person. Every single time you make a vote, uh, you do an action where you go and get to the gym when you don't want to, you do the extra rep, you do your meal prep, you stick to your thing, you're putting a vote in the box for that person. And you imagine the cumulative effect of all those votes going in on either side you can then start to see wow that's why I'm potentially becoming a person I don't want to become because look at how many actions I'm voting towards this person as opposed to this person right and when you can start to understand that when you start to face obstacles and this is a big thing I see from clients as well when they get further down the journey is that when they start to face obstacles their perception of it is different it goes from being I've got an obstacle in front of me so I can't do it to I've got an obstacle in front of me. Let me figure out how I'm going to overcome it. And that's the point where clients tend to become a bit more self-sufficient when they have that ability to know that, right, I've dealt with hard stuff before and I can figure my way around things. When they see the obstacle, they're like, right, how am I going to get myself around this and navigate it as opposed to, ah, Zach, I'm stuck, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Another thing I want to touch on is, um, I know there's a lot of young people out there who want to become entre- entrepreneurs. Mm. Um, obviously, I've you know, started my own clothing brand when I was 13. I've had a very like entrepreneurial mindset, Mm. which has helped because of my ADHD. Now I'm better understanding myself is that's what it provides. Um, I've done my own stuff for ages, just out of the love of doing it and, you know, wanting to make some money and like do nice things with my, my friends and stuff. If you could give any advice to someone who's looking to start out today with their own business, not just their own business, but maybe tailored to online coaching or just in general, like obviously I'm not an online coach and what I would like to go into is my own supplements and vitamins. If you'd give any advice from what you've learned and the lessons that you know, you've been taught from Adam and people like that over the last two years, what advice would you give to someone looking to start out their own business today? 
yeah, I would say the biggest thing is just speak to someone who, who, who has done it and knows how to do it. And again, I will shamelessly sit here and plug if you're a personal trainer who wants to get off the gym floor and want to go online, if you are currently in an online coaching business that's not working, get in touch with Adam Haley on Instagram and just have a chat with him because the bloke does this day in, day out, builds businesses, builds online coaching businesses and teaches us how, how to do it. And it just speeds the process up so much more. And you can sit there and say, oh, I'm not paying money, like I'll figure it out myself. But you're only holding yourself back when there are genuinely people who can just take all the thinking out of it for you and give you those frameworks. I think that's just the most underrated thing. And I think it's probably, I don't know if females are the same, but I tend to see it a lot in guys where guys just won't ask for help because they think it makes them look weak. But ultimately it's it's about how quickly and how easily do you want to make this happen? Because there are things out there that will just speed this process up for you. And if you're not taking advantage of that, then you know, you're only doing yourself a disservice because it has never been easier to start a business. And a lot of people will argue with that because they think there's so many people trying to do it so it's more competitive. But the people who are using the mentors and the other tools to their advantage are going one way. Mm-hmm. And the people who aren't using these things and don't know what they're doing, they're fighting for the scraps at the bottom. Like they're never going to get anywhere until they start to think bigger. So you need to move yourself out of that scrap at the bottom and go, right, how can I put myself in a position to go and play to win as opposed to just clinging on for dear life, hoping it works? Yeah. Yeah. In terms of attracting clients and this is hard like marketing that's a hard skill and obviously Adam teaches you a lot about this but in terms of attracting new clients what is it you do in particular which has made you guys as a team so successful because I know you have a lot of clients now Mm. from obviously the point when we knew each other when you just had Rob yeah like that's gone quick and you're only on Instagram Mm. for the time being is there anything in particular you're doing marketing wise Um, Um, I think that the biggest thing is just being really good at what you do makes business a lot easier, right? I think you can go into depth about how to do your reels better, you can go into depth about copywriting, you can go into depth about sales calls, whatever it wants to be, but ultimately if you've got something that is valuable and you've got something that can genuinely help people, that does 99% of the work for you, okay? Because I can speak to people who read the stories, they, they know Rob, they know Harry, they know Brad, Aaron, Stu, whoever it might be, 90% of the marketing's done because they're like, I know Rob, I've seen him do this, and I know if Rob can do it, then I can. So just delivering. Yeah, delivering is the easiest thing. Of course, you know, you do need to know how to write a good Instagram post and how to do sales calls and things like that, but you're going to make life so much easier for yourself if you genuinely have a product that is worth paying for and that people want. Like, that would be the number one thing. And of course, like, looking at the more physical things, yeah, we only really use Instagram. I probably shoot myself in the foot a little bit on that. I should diversify, but I don't really like Facebook. I don't like TikTok. I don't really have much interest in doing YouTube and things like that. So for me, it's more of an interesting, maybe later down the line, when, if we're at a bigger scale, I can employ people to do that sort of thing. But right now, like, Instagram's what I enjoy. Instagram works for us, and I'm, like, saying I'm okay at it, you know. Um, So that's how we kind of go about that. Yeah, just showcasing what we're good at and, you know, people want to be part of that at the end of the day we don't need to sit here and try and arm wrestle people over the line you know if someone doesn't want to work with us that's you know i can sit here and genuinely say that's their loss yeah you know do you have any sort of role models not in the space but in business in general because i know we spoke about alex hormozy and he's big for both of us and we both read his book yeah and i know you follow his value equation Mm. you know quite religiously and what you do would you say there's anyone that people could look up to 
in terms of role models in business, but also just in day-to-day life? Yeah, of course. So obviously you've got Alex Hormozzi, and again, puts out a lot of good stuff. And if you're wanting general business knowledge, like that's really, really good. Um, one person I really look up to is Tommy Mallet, you know, with, who runs Mallet London. Um, he, for me, he did a podcast. There's two podcasts he did, one with um, John Joseph Borgery. So that podcast is called The British Entrepreneur. And he did one on Lewis Morgan's podcast as well, who's the guy who founded Gymshark alongside Ben Francis and then mm-hmm. obviously split off. Um, I would say go and listen to those two and, and have a look at basically Tommy's work rate and his attitude towards just being limitless. And that that's the thing I think is massive for him is that you can tell the bloke genuinely has like such big ambitions and he just can't see a reason why things won't work if he puts his mind to it. And he's someone who was dyslexic as hell, could barely read and write leaving school. And, you know, he's probably owns and runs probably one of the biggest leading footwear brands in the world now you're probably competing with the likes of gucci and balenciaga whatever the designer names are. i don't really know them but um he's one and then the the british entrepreneur guy john borgery i really like him as well he's a bit more of a mellow character a bit more of a chilled out guy he shows a little bit more behind the scenes of his life and, and kind of what he does and that's quite cool um who else is there? There's Mark and Curtis Tilbury, I think are really good as well. You know, the the Strike It Big, yeah. the pair, like they're pretty good as well. They do some good podcasts. So generally I listen to a lot of like businessy stuff like that. But then there's also people like James Smith, who as much as he is an online fitness businessman, he does just talk a lot of random shit on podcasts as well and just mm. do what we're doing now and just talk to interesting people. He was at um, Heartbreak, wasn't he? He was at Heartbreak. Heartbreak. Yeah, not, obviously not when I was there. But um, yeah, he's really good. Um and yeah, I would just just think like those guys are really good. And if you have any other interests, just start looking into like what people can we start to kind of identify in that space where you can just go and listen to them. And again, we see them all the time. Like I spent a lot of time after I met Ollie March on at Performex, spent a lot of time listening to his stuff. Gotcha. I'm now, yeah, he's a really good guy. I'm now looking a lot into the other people at March on like Jens, like, um, you know, like Max and Billy and like you know I went down to March on a train for the first time the other week met a few of them and I now am very much like interested in that little realm so I think you've always got to be diverse with it and not try and like you don't want to ever want anyone to be almost like a god in your eyes but mm-hmm. I think just looking at you know who are the people that I aspire to be like who have the traits that I want and who are doing the things I want to do and just start to look at like why you know what's the what's the gap between me and them you don't want to become them but you need to look at like what makes them who they are and like how do I bridge that gap between where I am now and who they are if that is something that I want to pursue I think one thing while we're on the march on guys I spoke about this with Sammy because she used to work at march on is especially with people like people that I look up to like Hormozy you know Ollie march on that you just touched on Chris Williams and people like that they're very meticulous in what they do Mm. and they're very disciplined and resilient and they just grind it out if they're not feeling it, if they're having a great day, if they're having a bad day, they grind it out, they get it done. And I, I, I always naturally sort of like levitate towards people like that mm-hmm. just due to like having so much respect. Like, I don't know what's going on in their personal life. They could have loads of rubbish going on. Mm-hmm. But the fact is they turn up every day, they train, they do exactly what they're meant to do. They're good family guys. And they just get it done. And for me, that like I have the utmost respect for people like that because it's hard. Mm-hmm. Business is hard. And I'm just starting out. Obviously, I've done a few little bits, but in terms of proper business, I'm just starting out. And it's hard. There's mm-hmm. lots of admin. There's a lot of things that go wrong. But they just put on a calm face and they just work through it. Yeah. And they have months and months ahead. Like what they're working on behind the scenes 
if something's released today, they finished that months ago. Mm -hmm. And it's just all these interesting things which I've learned from them, which are just amazing lessons to bring into day-to-day -day life, which people don't see, because people see the best bits. Mm -hmm. People see the finished product. People don't see the grinding at 5 a.m. 5 every day, yeah. seven days a week, yeah. sorting out wage bills, sorting yeah. out taxes, doing all that. Yeah, I think we spoke about this like through uni, right? Like with the evolution of like obviously where my business went, there was a, probably a couple of guys at rugby and at uni who were kind of, you know, obviously the money talk comes up every now and again. I don't like to sit around shouting about how much I earn, but it was always something that people would ask. And you know, sometimes I would let them know, sometimes I wouldn't. And, you know, you can, I'm sure you can remember the exact names of the people who were like, oh yeah, I'll go and do that, but never did. And it's because they only see the success stories. They see the, oh, Zach, Tom, how much money do you earn? And you maybe give them an insight. And they're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But they didn't see the fact that I had to do 7,000 words in my dissertation in the last five days yeah. because there was so much going on and it was genuinely probably the most stressful few days I've had in the last few years getting all that done. They didn't see the, the 3, 4 a.m. finishes to then get up again at 6 to go and get my stuff done for the day for uni. And, you know, people only see the highlight reels on Instagram, which are fantastic and they're great for motivation, but they're so unrealistic. Yeah. You know, it's only only been now in the last couple of weeks since we've really finished uni that I've been able to kind of get a bit more of a personal life back. And it's something I'm still working on massively because the last year has been nothing but work, 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 work. And that's not sustainable long-term. We did it for a purpose and I signed the contract with myself that I was going to go and do that this year to make things happen. But no one sees that. No one sees the hard stuff mm -hmm. because you're too busy doing the hard stuff to, to go and show the hard stuff, yeah. if you know what I mean. And you've just graduated now with a 2-1, didn't yeah. you? Yeah. So you've graduated with a 2-1 while running a, I won't say how much, but a highly successful online coaching business where you deal with a lot of people and like I see the stress it brings you. Like I've watched you do it for the last two years and I like well, like we just touched on, I think that's what people don't see. Mm. is what I, I see because, you know, I've, I've talked to you about it and yeah. like we, I'm trying to help in any way, probably not in, <laughs> not in a lot, but like a lot of stress and people put like you were playing rugby as well and you had mm. to drop rugby and good rugby player and that must have been tough as well in order just to focus on this like, people don't see the sacrifices you have to make mm. behind the scenes in terms of your social life like in terms of going out and one thing I also really admire is you've done all this with your business for one but you've also graduated uni with a 2-1 mm. some people don't graduate with a 2-1 and all they do is lie around and do nothing all day mm -hmm. and that just shows the type of guy you are in terms of waking up, getting shit done, making sure everything's right with your clients and then putting your life behind that in order to get a degree and, you know, utmost respect to you for doing that because that's, that's hard to do. It's incredibly hard to do. And if someone's watching this and they've run a business and done a degree, I'm sure they can agree that's, that's not easy at all, mm. especially when you're, you've got people's lives in your hands and you're trying to help people and give all your effort to them as well as trying to maintain social life and play rugby and stuff as well. So massive respect to you. Thanks, I'll end it on this. And I think this is huge because we spoke about this a bit, but what are your long-term goals for Team ZSF? And would you like to, I, we spoke about maybe moving to Dubai at some point and yeah. you know, these are all potential things, but yeah. what would be your long-term goals for the next two, three years and where you want to be? Do you know what? This is always a tough question because I've only been doing it for two years and so much has changed in that time already that I try not to get too hung up on where I want to be in 10 years because I know 
give me two months and I'll probably have a different idea. You know, there are a lot of good things out in Dubai. There's a lot of, you know, Adam lives there, Nathan, Jake, a lot of the guys I work quite close with um, within Adam's company who are great to be around. I went and visited for the first time it may so it's about two, yeah, two months awesome. ago yeah it was amazing and it's great thing wrong but there's also obviously there's going to be drawbacks with everything right um so for me the long-term goals and aspirations i suppose they're not even long-term right now the goal is that we're trying to get team jedicef to a place where the support system is unbreakable like clients can come in and we can categorically say that like you know so long as you come in and do what we ask you're going to achieve a life-changing result. So we're always looking to upgrade the coaching and the service and whatnot. But for me personally, it's also about getting a bit of that personal time back. Um, I've spoken to a lot of my sort of mentors about this. Um, you know, since giving, since sort of stepping away from rugby, I've not had that kind of competitive side of me on like a sport or a performance side of things. So I'm looking to take myself out a little bit more of work over the next year and, you know, build the company to a point where actually it doesn't need me in there so much and I can step away and leave the responsibility to other people which obviously is challenge, has challenges in itself yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know I'm going to do my first high rocks in October which is fantastic um, we're looking at potentially putting a marathon on the cars next year like yeah. I just want to start getting back into you know that rhythm of competitive stuff and ultimately the, what, what was it that we was I was talking about with Joe the other day it's ultimately I'm now trying to build a business and build a coaching service around the life that I want to live as opposed to having to fit my life around work. And I think the byproduct of that is that I will be so much more fulfilled and everything that we do within Team DLSF will be 10 times more effective. So we'll be able to then grow bigger, faster, and everyone will be much happier. Not that we're not happy right now, don't get me wrong, like life is amazing. I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. Um, but I think for, for us to move forward, I need to get a bit more of Zach back as opposed to just being the workaholic, entrepreneur, uni student, doing everything he can, you know, I need to, need to get a bit more personal stuff back. So um, in the short term, that's what we're looking at. Obviously long term, we want to grow this thing really big, help as many people as possible, yeah, impact as many people as possible. Um, and uh, yeah, ultimately just be a driving force for change mix. I think um, there is a lot of people who are heading on a very steep downward slope. And I think it's only going to get, well, I don't want to say worse, but it's going to get more harsh for a lot of people over the coming years with um, AI coming through. Quite yeah. honestly, I think a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Um, it's a little bit scary, but... Um, yeah, yeah, it's I, frightening. It's yeah, frightening. I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to need the support that we offer. So I want to now be able to offer that on a wider scale, but never lose the quality of what we're doing right now. And if we can improve the quality compared to what we're doing right now, then yeah, I'm all for that as well. Awesome, mate. Legend, thank you for coming on. Appreciate Pleasure. it. Pleasure. Thank you for having me.